What does it mean to live with less stuff and more compassion? That's the question we aim to answer every Monday on the Minimalist Vegan Podcast. Hi, we're Michael and Marshall F.A., and in this episode, we're talking about the concept of a preachy vegan. Specifically, we discuss whether pushing your message is more effective than letting people come to you. We really enjoyed this conversation as we look at the dynamics of communication and influence when it comes to growing the animal rights movement. I don't want to give away too much, so let's get straight into it. How's everyone today? I hope you're all well. I hope you have a good start to the week if you're tuning in as soon as this comes out on a Monday morning. And um, yeah, today's topic is talking about preachy vegans and I guess we'll touch base on how we started our journey and how we saw veganism and vegans before we became vegan Um, and uh, yeah, how we felt when we first became vegan. I think that's probably something we want to sit on a little bit longer. Yeah. And yeah talking about the push and pull of activism and how how we like to approach it ourselves. Yeah, and it's, you know, I think the the idea for this article came off, uh, well, this podcast, I should say, came off a, an article we wrote a, a few years ago, um, you know, posing a question to our audience about whether they feel like they're preachy vegans or not mm-hmm. and what the pros and cons are. I think the vegan movement... Uh, luckily it's picking up a lot of momentum yeah and with that there's been a lot of media coverage that i've seen recently um so on you know today shows around the world we've had some vegans on there and and what's been really interesting is that when you look at the pr push these these people who have been talking on behalf of the animals have been labeled as militant vegans mm-hmm. so implying that they're quite aggressive or combative in their approach to others and um this got me thinking about you know how um you know maybe we used to feel when we used to think about veganism but also about whether that label is really valid uh and just looking at that whole dynamic yeah um so yeah so let's start there maybe like and, and and you know we've talked about our vegan origin story in the past so we won't go down that whole path um if you do want to listen to more about that you can go back to is it episode two I believe uh, so, yes yeah. um where we we take you back to you know how we became vegan but i think um in that episode we briefly touched on okay what did we think about vegans mm. um before we yeah. actually became one so yeah. do you remember um well I didn't really surround myself with any vegans in my life or really pay attention to veganism as a whole. Um, But I did know maybe one or two vegans that I respected, but also didn't feel like it was something that I was prepared to do myself. Yeah. So there's a lot of people out there in many ways that uh, don't want to hear about it because they can't deal with a drastic change yep. such as cutting out meat, dairy and eggs yep, and honey. And, um, but it's something that I think a lot of people can do and approach it in a way that is at their own pace. You know, you don't have to go vegan overnight. Mm. You can do it bit by bit. And I think that a lot of 
non-vegans believe that it is an, an overnight thing and it can't be a long longer process um so there can be judgment there as well from other people and I think there's many of us that in many ways feel like we don't want to become vegan because of what others will think of us rather than thinking about the animals and what's the right thing for them so it can come down to a very selfish decision of why you don't want to become vegan because you don't know anyone else that is vegan um and that can be that can be hard and i guess for us it was much easier because we had each other we became vegan on the spot but together yeah you make a really good point about what other people think and you know we were talking before about how we we didn't really have like we didn't really know many vegans Mm. like i don't this is back in 2014 yeah, and that's not that long ago. No. Um, and I think the vegan movement was already getting a lot of momentum then. Yeah, but, but it depends in what circles you surround yourself in, you know, the type of uh, just generally, like it would be much more in your face, I believe, in places like Sydney or Melbourne or London compared to a smaller city like Canberra. Yeah. So yeah, I'm sure like Los Angeles would yeah. <laughs> would have a booming vegan community and it'd be more widely accepted. Yeah. And you'll probably have more vegan friends yeah. in that type of location than you yeah. would here. But um, but yeah, I don't. Still, I I didn't experience any vegans before I became vegan, so I, I don't think I ever had that level of confrontation mm. or judgment or no one really challenged me that much. Mm. Um, and I'm just trying to even think like even on, you know, cause sometimes people get really frustrated when a vegan would share some graphic footage on Facebook or something like that. I don't even remember getting any of that on my feed. So but when you, you didn't have any vegan correct. friends. So <laughs> when you look at my sphere of influence, I, I didn't have any of that. Um, so and you still don't to an extent, like I don't actually have too many friends on Facebook it's more pages that we follow that yes. kind of give you that. But friends still to this yeah, day. Yeah, when you look at very hyper-local sort of influence, not, yeah. not much there. And we don't have many friends that are vegan still to yes. this day. Yeah. So it's, I mean, we know people that are yeah. vegans. Obviously, Food and Minimal is vegan. We've come across many people now. Yeah. But, um, but still that closest circle that I guess for us we've grown up with and yeah. a lot of those people aren't vegans. Yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah. So we um, so we we weren't we weren't challenged. So we, our experience is a little bit different uh, to others. And I think if you're not a vegan now, it might be a bit different wherever you are in the world because the movement has grown to an extent. I think most of us, well, not most of us, you know, but I think particularly in the Western world, would at least have somebody that they know or that mm. they work with, or they, they play sport with, mm. or their mum, their auntie, or something like that is vegan. So there's some level of exposure to that. Um, but then I think when we, if I was to think about vegans when I wasn't vegan, my perception was that they were quite militant or extreme. Mm. You know, I, I, I did, you know, I would imagine that they would be somewhat preachy um, mm. about their message. And similar to other values and other things that you might be an activist about. Um, but then I think if we just move forward to when we first became vegan, 
um, that's when we probably started to build a little bit more empathy for, I suppose, the preachy vegan movement. Um, because do, you get it. You understand. Yeah. You understand the frustration, the anger, the really, in all honesty, the depression yeah. when you see and think every second what's going on in this world behind closed doors that so many people aren't aware of. And so it can be, I mean, and it was a confronting uh, thing for us because we watched Earthlings and we did see the graphic footage then and there. So we had a visual of what that looked like and that made us mad. So it was an interesting uh, phase in our lives to not only deal with our emotions, but also deal with having to change a lot of things that we were doing. Um, but bit by bit, you know, like it didn't have to be such an extreme. Mm. It, and it isn't really. Just cutting out certain foods out of your diet is not an extreme thing well, to do. Well, foods are one thing, but yeah, changing but the way you start. consume in general. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's a start. Um, so... Do you, do you remember if anyone thought you were preachy or did you have any preachy oh, yeah, vegan my moments? my family, definitely. Okay. Why, why was that? Well, because I was an angry vegan. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, for me it was like my the closest people to me, I wanted them to know what I knew yeah, and what I was going through and I wanted them... I really, in all honesty, I wanted them to be vegan too mm. because I cared about them and I know that they're caring people um, and I wanted them to kind of, you know, be on my side. I wanted them to to help save the animals yep. and to see what the truth is. I mean, it's interesting because they do know what the truth is, but they're not vegan. Mm. So I think that's where I found it a little bit more confronting rather than having ignorance as bliss. So that's where I really, really struggled and had many fights with people in my family because I, I just honestly didn't get it. I yeah. didn't get why. Why, you know, you've got a carrot dangled in front of you and you don't still do anything about it. Yeah. Or there's even a level of acknowledgement. Yeah. Even even um you know you know, even even those closest to you who express um the same hurt feelings that you have about animals mm. or the same compassion. Mm. But then sometimes their actions don't reflect that. Mm. And that can be very deflating and frustrating as mm. well. Um but I think you know, that's that's really interesting because when I look back at 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 my journey, I don't recall having preachy moments. I think there was a lot of uh, people c close in my influence that wanted to just naturally challenge me mm. um, because I was acting differently. You know, I wasn't all of a sudden engaging in barbecues or I was saying no to a lot more events. And I, I did alienate myself quite a lot when I first transitioned just because I felt like I needed to shut off the noise so I can go on this journey. Because it's hard because you don't want to be arguing with people yeah. all the time and be that person that ends up being angry at everyone and fighting with everyone all the time and losing friendships over it. Yeah, and I think I think if you're vegan and listening to this, um, you might recall 
um, some people react differently. Some people just want to go tell the world. Like, yeah. you know, you've gone into your family, like, I don't understand. Why don't you become vegan? And others are like, probably like me, who want to avoid confrontation. Mm. And it's it's like, I'm vegan, but, you know, I, I don't necessarily want to then just talk about veganism all the time or I don't mm. want to put myself in a situation where... I'm challenged and then we we have conflict. Yeah. Um, and then it waters down the message even more. Mm. Like, so I think... The only problem is you can't live your life like that, avoiding situations yes. of confrontation. Yes. Um, and I think being a male, you probably get it more than a oh, female sure. d- does and the type of people that you surround yourself with. But, um, and it's interesting because how I've been talking about my family and I think what I found to be the biggest challenge is because most of them are vegetarian. So like you're kind of halfway there. <laughs> and so yeah. comparing it to someone that's a meat eater, um, you you know that they have some form of understanding to a degree, but then there's like that just one more step of, you know, ditching the dairy and eggs that you just think, oh, you're so close, but you're not quite there yet. So it's like it's within grasp, but again, as I said, dangling that carrot but not doing anything about it. Yeah. So I think it's a much easier win, if you want to call it that, than it is talking to someone that eats meat three times a day. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, when I think about your your examples now, it's, you know, it's, it's when you first become vegan, it's very much, uh, it can come across as it's about you the individual Mm. like i don't understand i'm depressed i'm angry can you believe this is what's going on but i think when you when you look a bit further than that and and this is this is probably my issue with the term militant vegan because militant is implying that this person is aggressive in nature in terms of a political social justice and pushing their own yeah they're pushing your own opinion so a lot of these conversations would end with, well, you're vegan and that is your opinion. Yeah. Right? So, That's, that is yeah. your opinion. Um, I it's, think, my, it's my right to not be correct, vegan. Correct. Yeah. So, the, the challenge with that, though, is, and I think this is where it, it gets very depressing for a lot of vegans, is that um, they're trying to communicate on behalf of animals fundamentally can't communicate for themselves yeah all right so there's no um there's no um alpha cow (laughs) that can that can speak english or has the intellect to be able to be the martin luther king of the animal rights movement Mm. right so in the absence of the animals being able to speak for themselves that's when humans some vegans would actually take on that responsibility and take on that burden Right. So when you look at militant as being something that is extreme, um, again, if we're using empathy and we're to put ourselves in the shoes of an animal, right? Um, you know, if I was a chicken and looking at my chicks being thrown into a grinder because they're males, because they're they males, right? Lay eggs. Um, you know, that would be extreme to me. Mm. That would be incredibly confrontational and and um, confronting to watch, mm. but we don't think twice about it as humans because we're not exposed to that, right? But or that we're is the superior species that you know. Yeah, 
But that type of behavior of grinding male chicks, like without second thought, is extreme. I think most of us would agree with that. But then to speak about veganism or to maybe challenge a farmer outside of a gate is looked at as militant, right? And it's 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 being pushed aside as that's just your opinion, that's extreme, let people live their lives. Well, let people do their jobs. Correct. Um, so there's really interesting dynamics around this. And which brings me to the next point about activism in general. And, you know... We're talking about veganism in this example, but this could be any social justice movement or any values. Um, I think we all, one, approach activism differently, whether that's more direct and pushing the message or it's more discreet and getting people to come to you. And then on the other side, I think we all receive activism in different ways. Some people are easily influenced by being a bit, uh, having people push their values onto you. And some people are really resistant to that. Mm. Whilst others enjoy this sort of getting there on their own, piquing their curiosity, and then coming to the source, right? Mm. So we understand that um, both approaches uh, have their pros and cons. So when we talk about the push approach to activism... Uh, we want to give you an example. So um, somebody we admire a lot in the in the vegan movement is uh, Earthling Ed. Um, some of you listening to this podcast may be aware of his work, but if you're not, um, he's the founder of an animal rights march, uh, which has now gone global, but started off in London. Um, he has a, a, a podcast where he has um, debates with non-vegans uh, in a really interesting way. But how we discovered him was actually through YouTube and his street activism. And uh, he basically approaches people on the street and engages them in conversations around uh, veganism. Uh, and he, he leads with some really powerful questions um, to get them to think about their own values and their own contradictions and to have an actual lively debate. He's very open to debating. Um, anyway, so we found ourselves sort of consuming a lot of his content on YouTube. And we thought, you know what? Like, you know, for someone who's doing activism, this is not too extreme. Hmm. Uh, because we're both quite against... I think when we put, both became vegan, we are just like, I, I don't want to be... I know for me anyway, I'm like, I don't want to be a preacher vegan. Like, I just didn't think that is an effective way to get a message across. Hmm. I think you and I had many conversations about that and the hmm. perception of that. Um, but with, with Earthling Ed, if you look at his results... Although it may seem extreme, it's quite compelling. If you look at his website, in a 12-month period, over 33,000 people have signed up to become vegan as a result of his online content. 33,000 people. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot of influence. So, and this is somebody who's proactively going out there mm. on speaking on behalf of the animals in universities, in schools, on streets, in vans, in marches, mm. and he's getting results. Mm. So, because I often wonder for those who are pushing a message, mm. whether it's religion, whether it's discrimination in the workplace, how effective is that messaging? I always wonder, mm. you know, like how effective is it just to push your thoughts into somebody else? Just because I know for myself, when somebody does that to me, I don't respond very well. Mm. But, but clearly it has a place. It's interesting because you say when you push your thoughts it's not even your thoughts, it's just exposing the truth of what's actually happening day in, day out. Sure. So this is where I think 
when you're talking about other things and how you mentioned before about it being that vegans stand up for the animals when they have no voice they're completely voiceless they have absolutely no legs to stand on when it comes to doing anything about ending up on someone's plate there's there's they can't get out of that it's an inevitability about their situation so it's an interesting point to say that you know it's it, it's that's your belief or that's your right and but a lot of people don't realize that well really there's nothing that they can do about it so someone needs to stand up for them and it's when you look at how many um different organizations just are focused on the human uh issues and what's happening around the world but we don't see them in many ways as an extreme. Whereas sure. veganism in many ways is looked as an extreme. But why is that? Is mm. it because we're standing up for other animals that aren't human? Or is it because a lot of people aren't prepared to make that change and they see it as an extreme for that reason? Because they just mm. want to keep consuming meat for the convenience of it and because they they like the taste of it. Well, it's a really interesting point you bring up is I think you're right. If you look at like the gay rights movement at a human level, it's probably, well, it is factually and physically, intellectually a lot easier to support than the animal rights movement because we're talking about three meals a day, right? Largely, nothing happens to your life as a result of supporting sort of human right marriage and yeah all of that. like a human right yeah nothing happens to your life mm-hmm. but everything changes or not everything but a lot changes when you're challenged to support the animal rights because you're talking about your day-to-day behavior mm. which is which is being challenged and and it's something that you have to change and i think that that is a lot much harder it's a lot to take on because even if you just look at the day-to-day things so besides food the things that you use in the bathroom so whether those products contain animal products or they've been tested on animals then the furniture that you sit on is it made out of leather is it made out of wool you know the car that you drive does that have leather in it the you know the clothes that you wear what are the clothes made out of is it silk is it wool is it leather so there's so much more to it than just the food component. And I think that a lot of people, though, don't even think about that side of things until they become vegan. And I can say that we probably didn't really think about that. It was more, and for a lot of people, it is about the food. We did. I think we did pretty early. Yeah, but not the, the second that we decided to become vegan. That wasn't top of our priority list. Well, I think it it because because we watched Earthlings and it wasn't just a documentary about food. Yeah, yeah. I think it did. It, I think but it was, was on the list. It was a slower transition. It was on the list for of, sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't something that we just stopped consuming straight away. Like we stopped consu- consuming animal products straight away. But when we had other things that was maybe clothes and other products, we phased them out as we could. Yeah, you know, so it's um. I think a lot of people forget that veganism is a lifestyle. It's not. It's a way of living without exploiting anything or anybody else. Yeah, 
So when you look at it that way, it can feel a little bit overwhelming. But again, no one's telling you to do it straight away. There's so many of us that have approached to veganism where we can take five years to become fully vegan. Yep. Whereas someone else, it might take them five days. Yeah. So. But but I think but but you touched on the point that it's it's about it's about a lifestyle. So you're being asked to change your lifestyle as a yeah. result to help support animals. Mm. And so that's you know that's probably why. Um, you know, there's so much opposition mm. to veganism. It's like, do you uh, care about animals that much to change everything yeah. in your life? It's a big ask. And, yeah. and let's acknowledge that. Yeah. It, uh, it is a big ask. Like, yeah, we can sit here and say it's never been easy to become vegan. And that's mm. a fact. Mm. In 2019, it's never been easier. We've never had so many products um, that are creative and uh, ethically considered, whether it's food or beauty or personal care or fashion. Um, you know, that is geared towards helping you become vegan. However, it's still hard, mm. you know, because you have a whole lifetime uh, of developing certain habits mm. of your consumption mm. and, and everything is about... Not just eating or, or buying anything and everything. You've kind yes. of got your new set of rules. Absolutely. So, you know, you're checking labels, you're checking with staff in cafes to make sure that, you know, like it's, it's, it's a bit of a chore, but if you know why you're doing it, it doesn't feel like a chore at all. It's just second nature because it's so deep inside of you that you don't want any part of that, that it doesn't matter Yeah. that you would do that in 10 times more Yes. just because you don't want to support that industry. Yeah. So, so yes, the, the push approach I can understand. Um, it's it's clearly getting results. Mm. It works uh, for some and, people, and it works for some people. I know it would work on me. Yeah. See. See. It's interesting. Like you know. Yeah. You you said that. Well, you said off air that if you were to, like you didn't have exposure to many vegans before we were vegan, but if you were exposed to like some footage on the street or you engaged with an activist, an animal activist. Mm. you'll probably be more open than others. But I think, you know, depends on their approach, the way that they talk to me about it. So someone can easily go into defense mode because their guard is up and they feel like you're going to attack me for my lifestyle. But if, if they can be relatable and they can ask the right questions, you can break down that guard and yeah. actually have the person open up and be more vulnerable to you. Yeah. So I think it just depends on the approach. And I believe that a lot of activists that are on the streets and that are talking to other vegans aren't going to be like yelling at them saying, you need to become vegan now. You know, like they do it in a tactical way because, you know, most of us weren't born vegan. So we know what it's like to probably be on the receiving end of it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I believe that I probably, I mean, I was vegetarian for most of my life anyways, and I'd made the connection and I struggled to eat meat, you know? So I think that I was You're already part of the on way there. Way. Yeah. See, well, with, with me, I think um, I would probably be polite <laughs> mm. and I'd listen and I would show that I was curious, but I wouldn't change anything. Mm. You know, I'd be like, that, that's great. 
you know, much respect to you, but um, I'm that still was, gonna... Is that if you saw footage? I, I think even if I saw footage, because I was willfully ignorant. You know, I was fighting to be ignorant. Do you know what I mean? Because I wasn't, uh, you know, I didn't, I wasn't prepared. But it depends at what phase in your life that would have been. Sure. Because if it was just before you discovered the article that led you down a rabbit hole, then you probably would have, that they would have planted a seed for you and then you probably would have gone home True. and investigated True. it further. At that, at that point in life, I was more open. But I'm more talking about prior to that. Yeah. You know, and, and I think, um, you know, when when I think anyone is really trying to, you know, like, oh, you really need to hear my message. You really need to think this way. Mm. I, I know I naturally just get defensive. Mm. But, um, but there's a place for that, clearly. Um, and but I if- think... Oh, you go on. I was just going to say, but it's interesting because this is why planting seeds is such an important thing. Because as you said, you weren't there many years prior to becoming vegan. So there's a lot of people in that state. So I think it's important to um, put yourself uh, in their shoes and realize, well, okay, I've given them maybe something to think about. I've given them that seed that might sprout into something else later on. Yeah. Be it a month, two years, whatever it is, it might eventuate into veganism. Yeah. Or even at least cutting down on how much meat they consume. So it's it's an interesting thing uh, to... But I think there's more and more seeds that are being planted on a regular basis for so many of us. So that brings me to the next point, which is the... So we've talked about the push approach. So Earthling Ed, going out there, going after it, getting the message out there. The results are on the table. Some of us hate being on the other end of that. We can acknowledge it. Mm. The other approach is about pulling. So pulling activism. So, um, so the pool approach of activism, I want to talk about Chris Carr. So she, she, she's all about living a plant-based lifestyle. Um, so it's all about the health benefits of mm-hmm. eating plants. Uh, and she's received some incredible results for her health as a result. But she's been you know, putting out articles and podcasts and YouTube clips for years upon years, and she's built up a huge following. Now... Um, if you go deeper into her content, you find that she actually uh, cares a lot about the animal rights movement. Mm-hmm. But that's not at the forefront of her message. Yeah. The forefront of her message is about the health benefits because of eating plants. Exactly right. But as a result, uh, for her, she's saving a lot of animals. Yeah. Right. So you talk about planting seeds before. This is yeah. a prime example of, okay, cool, let's put out some great content mm. um, and that a lot of people can objectively understand and feel inspired by. But the actual results is still saving lots and lots of animals. Um, and the same could be said for Rich Roll, um, somebody we brought up before in our podcasts as well. Um, but, you know, he's got this massive podcast and he's known for being an ultra, uh, what's it called? An ultra endurance athlete, endurance athlete um, powered by plants. So he's all about optimizing his health through plants. Again, uh, similar approach to Chris Carr. But then if you dig deeper into his content, you can tell he cares about the animal rights movement and he's having a huge influence on that as well. Yeah. I would say we probably fall into this category as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, also, although we're talking about preachy vegans in this episode right now, and clearly we have some emotions and thoughts around it, um, you know, we've made a decision that, um, you know, to, to create content that's more approachable. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, we talk about minimalism as well as veganism and everything in between. Um, but it's all about, hey, planting seeds. It's all about engaging with content um, that people feel inspired by. Yeah. Uh, and then, hey, along along the way, you you might find yourself engaging in watching a documentary like Earthlings, for example, and then mm. becoming vegan, mm. which has happened with a lot of people in our audience as well. Um, so, so there's a pull approach to activism. Now, some people would argue that this approach is simply not enough, mm. or it's watering down the message of veganism, for example. So, if you're talking purely about the health benefits. Um, are we really building that compassion and empathy in people? Now, I've seen so many people who transitioned to veganism that started off on the health journey. Mm. And then through that, you know, they planted more seeds and then they they thought, then they exactly, they got to the animal rights, they thought about the environment. And for us, it was reverse. It was like, okay, it was all about the animals first. Mm-hmm. And then we learn about and the environment. And then our... we learn about the health. Yeah. You know, so, you know, you can get into veganism in so many different ways. Yeah. Um, and, and if you're curious, we'll link to all of those documentaries that sort of strengthen that along the way for us. Yes. Um, in the show notes. Absolutely. So, but, but with this approach of pool activism, you know, it's it's un, it's not quantifiable what the results are mm. okay um but we do know it's something a lot of people are more comfortable with on both ends in engaging with um but i would argue without looking at the the data that someone like maybe earthling ed uh, a 33,000 people signed up become vegan in a 12 month period is probably more impactful for the animals than someone like chris carse but I imagine that there is less people that are the pushy kind and there's more people of the pull kind. Yes. So collectively, when you even just think about the amount of bloggers that just post vegan recipes and that in a planting seed way come up in people's you know, Facebook feeds or Instagram accounts or Pinterest boards or when they're Googling certain recipes. Yes. That in itself, them eating more plant-based is planting seeds and making people more aware because it typically will start with the plate, with the food that they're, what they're putting into their mouths. Absolutely. Because what's the first misconception of veganism? Oh, the food is boring. Yeah. It sucks. It doesn't or, or taste as good. Is like grass. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. If you can inspire um, others through food and mm. say, this is an alternative, this is actually vegan, it tastes great. Yeah then that can be a form of planting the Because at the end of the day, we're all about saving the animals. So, you know, I mean, you may not have, you might have 100,000 people that have, um, you know, plant-based meals 50% of the time. Yep. And then you might have, I don't know, 20,000 vegans. Yeah. I don't know what the numbers here are. I'm just making up numbers, but you kind of compare how many animals each group is saving by how many meals that they're having. Yep. And, you know, some maybe the the ones that are eating plant-based 50% of the time are actually saving more than the vegans are yeah. in that sense. So, you know, for us it's because we know we can't unknow. Yes. And so we're vegan for life. But there's a lot of us that will still eat plants 
you know, at least 50% of the time, every meal that you make a decision not to have animals on your plate is a win for the animals. Absolutely. So I think that that's a really important point to make. It's progress, you know, and we're all about that progress. Yeah. You know, and, and because, you know, the more you're making those decisions, mm. um, who knows where you'll be in five years Yeah. in terms of how open you are yeah. to receiving this type of information. And at this point, there's so many more, it's more becoming more accessible. So I think the more people notice that, that most restaurants and cafes have vegan options on their menu and they feel like they can go out with their friends and share a meal without feeling like they're, you know, we'll have to, an inconvenience yeah, or and sit there and just drink a glass of water. And, and having then people st- feel sorry for you and all yeah, that. Yeah, so it's becoming, you know, gone are the days of just having tofu as an option. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, it's getting easier and easier and I think a lot of people are taking advantage of that. And even if you're not vegan and you sit down, the vegan option might look absolutely delicious. Yeah. But again, you're saving an animal's life by choosing a plant-based meal over an animal-based meal. Yeah. So. Awesome. I, I, I wanted to um, quickly go through some examples of what we think approachable activism is. Mm-hmm. And, and we're still contemplating whether we're going to have um, some friends on the podcast to talk about, talk about the other reality, which is getting into activism and how you can get started. Oh, we totally will. Um, because I know it's something that we're a little bit more uncomfortable with. Um, mm-hmm. We're very comfortable with the pull approach as opposed to the push approach. But we respect the push approach. But it will be it will be nice to if people are interested in activism, how they can get involved in it, and you know, for us to ask the questions of why we're uncomfortable about it, and for them to kind of discuss the whole idea of, yeah, well, you don't have to go there and talk to people from day one. So I think it'll be a really interesting conversation. And look, if you're listening to this and you are, you know, you're vegan or you're just getting into veganism and you're feeling that depression, that frustration, and you want to do something, um, but you're also kind of like me and um, you don't want to be confrontational. um, You know, if you had to ask some experts about how to get into activism, would love to know if you can... um, email us or send us a message on Instagram or leave us a comment on the show notes um, just so we can start collecting some questions for that episode um, to unpack on the show. Um, but we did write an article a little while ago about um, approachable ideas to activism. So I just wanted to share a few of these to sort of pique your interest around the topic. Um, but one of one of the actions was getting comfortable telling your like transition story. So with, you know, our our vegan origin story, because that's probably the number one question you get as soon as somebody discovers you're vegan. They're like, oh, why? Why Mm -hmm. did you become vegan? Mm -hmm. So I think being really comfortable and seeing that that is an opportunity, because in a a sense, that's a pull approach in itself. And it might sound silly, but practice it. Actually really get concise with how you respond and don't feel like, oh God, they're another person that's asking me, like if you know we want you want to have a positive you know that they're actually curious yeah. you never know you could be planting a seed for them so exactly. um i think it's a really important thing to feel confident in in talking about it yep. and not feeling like oh here we go again yeah so and that's how i used to feel at the beginning it was like oh i just i don't 
I don't have the energy to get into this right yeah. now. <laughs> like, let's just enjoy the night or yeah. let's just enjoy this without having to like talk about it yet again for the 50th time. Yeah, and, 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 and keep in mind that like, if you hear our stories, we didn't really know many vegans. Mm. So if we were to meet a vegan, we'll probably have similar sort of questions. Mm. And just because you are so deep in the bubble of veganism and, and you know, you might roll your eyes every time somebody asks you, well, where do you get your protein? Yeah. That's actually a sincere question for the other person. Yeah. They, they've probably never met a vegan before. Yeah. And they generally want to know. Mm. So I think, um, you know, think of this as, you know, again, your voice for the animals. This is a privilege to have somebody show interest mm. in veganism. So you want to make sure that moment counts. Mm. Um, the second uh, strategy is to recommend documentaries about veganism. Mm. So rather than it being about just... Which is what I do a lot. Yeah, your opinion, your opinion, your thoughts, and you, 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 you can sort of people rightly or wrongly see documentaries as something that's fairly objective. Um, so that could be a really good way to share information. I, I know lots of people in my life that I've engaged with have been really open to watching documentaries uh, as a way to plant the seed. Uh, rapid fire here is to write articles on a blog. So, Which is um, what we do. <laughs> watch, which is what we do. So this could be articles, it could be recipes, but find a platform to share um, and educational yourself, you information. Know, I think it's also important to, be, to give yourself a, plat- well, a way of expressing how you're feeling and you know and if someone asks you about something you can say well you can check out my article about this because that can also diffuse the situation then and there and then yeah about the conversation that you ca- you're having and you know if you don't want to go into too much detail because there's other people there and all that sort of thing you can say well I've actually you know written something about it you can check out my website and and have a look or if you mention a particular meal or, you know, if someone's eating something in front of you that you've got a vegan version of that on your website, you can go, oh, you should give that a try. See what you think. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it yeah. and see how it differs, you know. So there's so many different ways that you can... Well, you can use it in conversations, but also like Google's very powerful. I mean, mm. people are typing questions into Google all the time about veganism. And if you're able to answer some of those questions in a very authentic way, you might be be reaching some people who are looking for those answers. Yeah. Um, and that could be a way of your role in activism for the animals. Mm. Um, so along the same lines is to record educational video content on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, you're you're putting out content for those who are interested, and, and they can come so to you. And it's so shareable as well. Exactly right. Um, you could interview vegans on a podcast. Um, so, you know, you could, um, be the person who's very curious about the movement and wants to dissect different industries or talk to vegan athletes or vegan entrepreneurs and distill that information to an audience. Um, you could wear vegan apparel. Um, now this could be looked as the push or pull approach, mm. um, because it, it can be, depends on the message as well. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, um, I know we've worn some, uh, some t-shirts, um, with, like you know vegan sayings on them and it struck up a lot of conversation Mm. people were just like oh what does that mean vegan slayer Mm. (laughs) um no no sorry plant slayer not vegan slayer that's a bit (laughs) that's a bit um dark no but plant slayer you know what's that about and then and then again it starts a conversation 
Um, again, we'll link to the article in the show notes where we go in quite a lot of detail about all of these approaches and how you can get started in it. Um, you could approach local cafes and restaurants to add vegan options to their menus. Which is a really powerful way of actually getting local and influencing people through what they eat. Yeah. And opening up the eyes of the cafe owners because I think there's even in our city, there's more and more places uh, that have vegan options and are finding that they tend to be some of their most popular yeah. meals on their on their menu. So This could be a win win. I mean yeah. um you know, I think if you think about like how vegans are just so hungry for new vegan options in different cities, um, like, you know, we're we're part of a Facebook group that, you know, if if all of a sudden an existing restaurant now has vegan options, mm. they take a photo of that on their phone and upload it to the group. Mm. Uh, these are thousands of people who are seeing this and as a result, like, oh my God, now we can go there. Mm. So think about how powerful it is from a business perspective to actually get access to a whole new customer base. Yeah. And, you know, you could be that person that's just sharing that information. Like, mm. hey, why don't you consider this as a vegan option in your menu with your existing ingredients? And when you do it, I can share it on the Facebook group. Yeah. It's a win-win for everybody involved. Yeah. Uh, including the animals, <laughs> uh, which is the most important thing. Um, so the uh, other point is to practice how you talk about veganism. So uh, Earthling Ed, the guy we were talking about before, has actually got a, I think it's a free ebook. Um, we'll link in the show notes as well. Uh, and it's called 30 Non-Vegan Excuses and How to Respond to Them. So he he's really all about um, communication. Um, so he's all about, you know, how you actually engage in conversations around veganism, uh, and whether it's debate, whether it's a bit of conflict and, and navigate that. But he also, uh, arms you with a, with a lot of knowledge, mm. uh, as so well. So even like those things of, you know, a lot of the most popular, uh, questions that you get asked or, you know, what about honey? Why don't you eat honey? Or what about eggs from backyard chickens or the protein question that you mentioned before? Or where yes. will I get my calcium from? And your iron and yeah. your iron and all of that sort of stuff. So as I mentioned before, with getting your story right and, you know, being enthused about sharing it with other people, uh, having that confidence in answering those questions in a non-preachy way or an angry way of like, I can't believe you asked me that. Um, is really important because... And then how you respond is not condescending. Yeah, because yeah. you, again, could be planting seeds for someone else to think about something in a completely different way that they'd never considered before. Yep. So, and having that confidence in the way that you talk about veganism and why you're doing these things is so much more powerful than going, oh, well, I just... I'd do it because I don't want to kill animals. Yes. And I mean, and you know, you kind of have to put yourself in the other person's shoes to how that looks to them. And then I think there are some people that might also think, well, if this vegan has no clue, well, most of them have no clue. Yep. So again, we're trying to create a voice for the animals and we all have to play our role Yeah. in that, you yeah. know, and um, arm ourselves with, as much information and knowledge as possible to be able to have those conversations openly. And it's fine for people to challenge us as well because, you know, at the end of the day, we're also only human. And um, and 
people have their own opinions about certain things, especially when they, if they're involved in that day in, day out, you know, like a beekeeper or a farmer or someone that, that is so deep in something that they really just can't see it any other way. For sure. Great point. Number nine, start a vegan business. So for the entrepreneurs listening, um, that could be a really uh, powerful way to help the, the animal rights movement. Um, that might be another episode actually for us because mm. we've got a, a pretty, we've got a huge post actually um, that we've just generated all these vegan business ideas. Um, so everything from a, a vegan, you know, freelancing company all the way up to like a, a beauty product line. Um, so, you know, there's so many ways to get involved in business these days um, and to provide that option. So you're actually playing a role in the supply, mm. um, you know, as opposed to the demand. Um, and and then number 10 is to be social amongst non-vegans. So this might seem a bit nuanced or a bit trite, but, um, but honestly, when you look at our journey, we went a little bit into isolation. And it took us a while to feel comfortable being in social situations. Um, not not just like we're comfortable in social situations, but um, being comfortable in social situations, being willing to talk about veganism mm. if it came up. Um, and because if and, and I think we were nervous because we didn't we weren't armed with the right information, so we were nervous to get the questions that we didn't know how to respond to. Yeah, and so that's why it's again important to to do your research and to arm yourself with things so you can have those conversations rather than running away from them. Yeah, and it's also important to to still immerse yourself with with non vegans. Uh, because you know it gets you out of your vegan bubble. It, it gets it, it. It keeps a level of empathy, and, and it grounds you in reality. You know, and I think those are really important things. It's also very motivating to continue to become vegan, <laughs> to mm. continue to stay vegan when you're exposing yourself to that world. Mm. Um, so there's lots of benefits there. Um, so another point is to become a vegan athlete. So. You don't realize actually how powerful that is, especially as a male. Yep. In the male well, world. Well, and females too. Yeah, I yeah. mean, if you look at Instagram. But there's just this whole masculinity about, True. you know, men need to have their meat to be strong and, yep. you know. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, when you look at actual professional athletes who are eating plant-based, that's really compelling and powerful. Because these are people who are performing at the highest level of their physical activity and they're sustaining themselves off plants. Um, you know, back to Rich Roll as an example, you know, being an ultra-endurance athlete purely on a plant-based diet, that speaks volumes mm. for credibility for and the vegan movement. he's also interviewed yeah. a lot of bodybuilders and people that are, yeah. you know, world champions in, in what they do. So Yep. So I think um, if you're into athletics or physical activity, I think, yeah, you know, showcasing and being proud of that, um, it could be a great way to uh, play a role in activism for the animals. Um, the the last point we want to bring up is to, um, you know, perhaps self-publish or traditionally publish a book 
um, about veganism. So this could be like a fiction story um, or could be something that's more non-fiction. Uh, we've done this before. That's been a really great, powerful way to, to help people join the vegan movement as well. Um, but we sell self-published because that's readily available to anyone if they're willing to learn the process of doing that or if you're a skilled writer or if you've always enjoyed um, creative writing, this could be a really good avenue to get involved in as well. That's not as pushy, uh, more of a pull approach. Um, so those are some examples of um, how to get involved into uh, in activism. Um, that, those are just some ideas that we've come up with. I'm sure you all have many more ideas, um, but I'll be curious on both sides. If you listen to this and you're not vegan, um, are those some some strategies and ways that you think would be a nice way to pique your curiosity and to plant mm-hmm. that seed with you? Um, and then for those who are vegan, are those strategies actually viable for you? Do you think you can actually engage with that as a starting point um, towards moving towards like something that's more direct and push? Cool. So um, we're talking about um, preachy veganism. We're talking about the pull and the push approach. Um, do you think there's there's a better strategy? Um, well, there's a place for both mm. and it depends on the person, really. So I don't agree or disagree with either of them. I think they're both powerful in their own right. And um, the only thing, I guess, for me is when people get the push but they need the pull um, because that's the way that they're receptive to information. So when they get a um, an approach of trying to be pushed into it, but they don't actually like that approach, it's not their style, and then they're put off ever being curious or interested in veganism altogether. Mm. So I think that that's um, – and I think that there is more – pull approaches out there especially on the internet then there is push approaches Mm. Uh, you don't you know you're not going to see vegan activists everywhere you turn or people in your facebook group or sorry in your facebook feed putting graphic content and saying you know this is the truth you need to see this type of stuff so it just depends on, again, the type of person that you are as to what kind of approach is going to work for you. And as I said before, eating more plants, being more conscious of what you're actually putting in and on your body is a great way to get started. So I don't disagree with either of them and I think that there's a place for both of them on this planet. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. I think we'll, we'll probably leave it at that. Um, and you know, you know, again, I think it's just encouraging everybody out there listening to this to be open and, um, you know, the narrative is not about, uh, individuals and opinions, uh, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, why we're vegan is it's because of the animals and again, they don't have a voice. So how that information is distilled and communicated is up to you. Mm. Uh, and how you want to receive it, um, but it, you know, fundamentally, it's it's about the animals that don't have a voice for themselves. So, um, anyway, thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope that you got something out of this. And yeah, let us know which kind of approach worked for you. 
you yep. know, were you approached on the street? Did you watch something on your own accord? Did you just start eating more plant-based, you know, found your favorite food blogger online and then started digging deeper because you wanted to really get to the roots of, of why more people are eating plant-based. So yep. I'm sure there's plenty of stories out there that could be shared and we'd love to hear them all. Yep. But um, yeah, we'll tune in next week. We'll have a whole new episode for you. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So there it is. Push versus pull. What's more effective to promoting veganism? I don't know. Which method do you prefer? Find us on social media at The Minimalist Vegan on Facebook or Instagram and let us know. Uh, like, I'd honestly love to get your thoughts on this conversation. Uh, we mentioned a few links uh, to previous articles and you know other influences in the vegan movement uh, in this episode, which you can find at the show notes, theminimalistvegan.com slash 009. That's theminimalistvegan.com slash 009. While you're on our website, you'll find that we publish delicious vegan recipes every Friday and thought-provoking articles every Sunday, in addition to our podcast, which comes out every Monday. So to, to get a summary of the content that we publish and to keep up to date with what, what we're doing, um, I recommend that you check out our Slow Sunday Mornings newsletter, which can be found towards the bottom of theminimalistvegan.com. Our newsletter is also a place where we share our personal notes uh, as it relates to topics we often talk about. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in this week. We really appreciate your support and attention. Here's to living with less stuff and more compassion. Peace.